Happy 2022, and welcome to the first Fidelity Next podcast of the year. Fidelity Next is brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada, and we have a long history of hosting and participating in events for students on campus. Due to the pandemic, we haven't been able to travel to campuses, but we hope these Fidelity Next podcasts and live webcasts can bridge that gap and provide you with the information and access you would find during typical sessions on campus. Today, we're pleased to bring you a dynamic discussion with two members of our investment team, equity research analysts Claire Fleming and Andrew Hall. Claire and Andrew share their own career growth stories, which will be valuable for anyone interested in a career in investment management. With host Quinn Flaherty, they'll provide tips on how they made their applications stand out, making the most of opportunities and advice for the next generation. Enjoy. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Hello and welcome to Fidelity Next. My name is Quinn Flaherty and I am the Research and Thought Leadership Manager here at Fidelity Investments Canada. And I'm super excited to be back back as your host of our Fidelity Next student webcast program, talking all about the asset management space and our equity research team. So I'd like to introduce to today's show two amazing colleagues of mine, Claire Fleming and Andrew Hall. Claire, Andrew, welcome to Fidelity Next. Lots to talk about today. Hi, Quinn. Glad to be here. Great to see you, Quinn. I think I want to start our conversation today, Claire and Andrew. Maybe we should really define your role and its kind of function within the asset management space to start our conversation. And maybe Claire... I can ask you first, can you just summarize the role of the equity research analyst within the team? To start at a very high level, uh, within the broader Fidelity organization, the asset management team is responsible for investing money on behalf of our clients to help them reach their longer term financial goals. Uh, what's great about the equity research analyst or associate roles at Fidelity Canada is that you get to have a direct impact on some of those investment decisions that are being made for our clients. Typically, the role is structured in that you would be assigned a group of companies within a sector and be responsible for coming up with investment recommendations on all the stocks that you've been assigned in your sector. Uh, so to support those investment recommendations, uh, you do get to do a lot of really broad tasks. Uh, related to industry research, understanding the company's business model, creating your own financial forecasts and valuation models so that you can communicate your investment recommendations to the portfolio managers, uh, both within Canada as well as some of our international offices for Fidelity. It's amazing that you get to make those investment decisions, but obviously it can be challenging with all the information at, and, as you said, broad mandate with so much to look and, and analyze. Maybe, Andrew, I can ask you anything to, to add to Claire's point about your current role? I think Claire covered it really well, but maybe just to, to emphasize the sector coverage, you're really the, the expert on that particular topic. So it's not like maybe in other companies where there'd be a whole team uh, of people, you know, you really get that responsibility from day one. As a consumer staples analyst myself, I'm really responsible for 
start to finish work on all those stocks. So meeting all the companies, meeting their CEOs, CFOs, one-on-one in person, having a conversation about their businesses, building the financial models, including the forecasts, and ultimately coming to a succinct recommendation for portfolio managers. Really all of that day one is sort of under your purview as an analyst. It's obviously a lot of responsibility, but it also sounds really super cool and challenging. So I want to dive more into your roles and the work you're doing right now, but I also want to take a step back, talk a little bit about your journeys into your role currently. And so maybe, uh, Andrew, I'll pass this question on to you first. What really got you interested in financial markets? Like, obviously, you work in the industry, you, you live and breathe the financial markets and assessing companies. What like gave you that passion? And then more specifically, specifically equity research, what, what drove that? I would say in terms of my background, from a very young age, I was very sort of interested in the news, financial news, reading about companies. I think growing up, you know, being before university, I wanted to understand how the business world worked. I was always reading the newspaper. Maybe that's archaic now. Maybe it's listening to podcasts for, for today's generation, but really trying to understand what's going on in financial markets. And then you know, as I got into a sort of business uh, undergraduate at, at Fidelity, or sorry, not at Fidelity, UBC, I gained a greater appreciation of sort of the asset management side of the business where you're picking stocks and really understanding businesses. And, and, and I think that the differentiation there is everyone knows Amazon is a growing business, but that doesn't necessarily help you pick whether or not to buy the stock. And I think that extra level of sort of looking not just at general expectations, but sort of the relative and what are people missing is a really unique and exciting aspect uh, to asset management. And that's really what drove me towards equity research. There could be a whole host of questions to analyze a company. So I certainly understand your point, Andrew. Claire, maybe I can ask you, were you feverishly reading the newspaper as well or early adopter of podcasts? Admittedly, I had a bit different path to finding my interest in equity research than Andrew. But I think that's what's great about this industry is that there are a lot of different paths that people take in order to find themselves in these types of roles. For myself personally, my very first investing experiences were on the family farm, where throughout high school, my brother and I had the opportunity to buy and sell things like sheep, cattle and horses, which I found interesting. But at the time, I definitely had very limited awareness about the business world and what types of career opportunities there could be in a field like finance. It really wasn't until I started my undergrad program at Laurier where I started taking different types of courses and found that I was enjoying the finance classes that I had. What I think is really great about equity research, though, is just how broad the role is. I think, as Andrew and I mentioned up front, there's definitely some more traditional aspects of a finance role related to creating financial forecasts and financial modeling. But I think what I really found interesting about uh, the role when I started in internships was that you just got to learn a lot about global events and understanding different industries and business model and also getting to interact with a lot of other really um, interesting and accomplished people to help support your investment recommendations and learn more about uh, the industries that you're covering that I think makes it a really interesting type of role to work in. I think, Claire, you're leading to an important point and question I want to ask Andrew, you both found knowledge and interest in the space in different ways. But of course, to kind of become a master at it, you need to apply that knowledge in a, in a certain space. And Andrew, you mentioned um, investment clubs. And maybe you could talk to your experience at UBC being a part of the investment club, the experience and the, the learnings and skills you took out of that experience that help you in your role today. It's a very valuable if you can get on one of your school's sort of undergraduate uh, research teams or investment clubs. 
particularly for a role like this, if you're able to actually analyze stocks or bonds and, and really get a chance to sort of put that work in. And I think being part of UBC's uh, Portfolio Management Foundation, you get the opportunity to run real money and you know make make decisions around stocks from from a university standpoint, and that also helps you then. You know, like I said, this at the end of the day, this job is about making those same sort of investment decisions, just with a lot more resources and a lot more assets on the line. But the, the, the basic process is very similar. So I think for anyone who's who's able to, it, it's a really great way to get a leg up on the competition. Thanks, Andrew and Claire. Maybe I'll ask you a bit of a different question. You can apply your your knowledge and interest in investment clubs, but also co-op experiences and postings at companies like Fidelity can mean something as well. And I know both you and Andrew both experienced that. Expand on what you just mentioned about co-ops and your, your learnings there. I think the co-op program at Fidelity is a great way to simulate what it's like to be a full-time analyst on the team. And I think having that experience allowed me to learn a lot throughout the term and maybe a lot more confident in choosing to work at Fidelity full-time after graduation. How the co-op or intern roles are typically structured on our team is the student would be given a group of stocks to cover over the course of their four-month co-op placement. And often those companies would all be in the same industry. During my time as a co-op student, I was covering companies within the global specialty apparel industry, which was a lot of fun because it's names you would recognize like H&M or Pandora or Macy's, the department store. And my task throughout the term uh, was to come up with investment recommendations on seven different companies within that sector, and also to summarize how those recommendations fit into a broader industry framework for how I thought about investing opportunities and the quality of businesses within that coverage group. What's great about the structure of that is that just like what we do as full-time analysts, uh, only you're working with a smaller group of companies given the shorter duration of a co-op term, but you do get complete autonomy throughout that term to structure your time and prioritize certain pieces of analysis in order to support your own investment recommendations, which is a great degree of autonomy that you sometimes don't always get as a student. And maybe we can expand this. And we're moving on our journey from campus and your co-op experiences. And then you both joined us full time in 2018. I want to talk a little bit about that process. And so, Andrew, a question for you here. When you joined us in 2018, you went from the internship co-op to a full-time as an equity research associate. Can you talk a little bit about that application process and your experience with it? I think that at the baseline, the application process for an internship or full-time job are similar. The big difference would be sort of the endpoint and, and the, the number of stages you have to go through for a full-time hire if you're going direct, um, because the internship itself can act like a very extended, very in-depth interview to some to some degree. And so, you know, Really, from an internship standpoint, the interview process is very similar to what you might see at other firms or other industries. So of course, you submit your CV with your cover letter and resume, and then you hope to hear back about an interview call. And the first round is sort of a call interview. Generally, the second round would be they'll fly you in for sort of a super day where you meet with most of the portfolio managers or all the portfolio managers and senior analysts and do one-on-one -on -one interviews with all of them. They really want you to meet the whole team and really get a full view not just for themselves to know that they're picking the right person, but for yourself to make a fully informed decision. And then really the only difference um, with a full-time hire versus an intern would be that the last step, like Claire and I did our seven or eight stock recommendations at the end of our internship, you know, as a full-time hire, we try to compress that process and give you one stock 
maybe to give a recommendation on and give that full presentation to the team. Well, you're definitely driving home the point, Andrew, that you got to demonstrate the passion that you have. And you got to demonstrate the application and skills across almost a full day. So thanks for that great detail. Claire, I thought when we had a production meeting to talk about today's webcast, you had an amazing story about when you first joined Fidelity and that kind of first couple of weeks experience. And you got a really good story for our audience today. You're right. I did have a very memorable start to my co-op term at Fidelity. As I mentioned earlier, on my very first day on the team, I found out that I was going to be covering a few companies in the global specialty apparel industry uh, throughout the course of my co-op term. I remember within the first two days, though, the chief investment officer of our team dropped my, by my desk to mention that a lot of the companies that I was responsible for covering throughout my term would be at an industry conference later that week in New York. And they thought it would be appropriate for me to go to that conference to help learn more about the industry uh, that I was covering and these companies in particular. I tell that story not to reminisce on travel in the pre-COVID era uh, per se, but I think what really stood out to me at the time was just how willing Fidelity is to give you resources and learning opportunities earlier on in your career in order to help you develop and become a better analyst over the medium to longer term. So I think that was a very memorable start to my co-op term. And when I was then having to make a decision on whether to accept a full-time offer from Fidelity later on in my term, I think experiences like that really stood out and gave me conviction that this would be a place where they'll give you lots of resources and learning opportunities earlier on in your career that you might not have elsewhere. No, that's great. What a cool experience to get to go to New York during your co-op term to kind of learn the businesses in that sector that you're covering. Uh, there's a few questions here about some advice. Any advice that you might have for recent grads or those who are doing to graduate in the, in, for this term, perhaps, who are interested in the asset management space? From your own journeys into you know, your roles now, what advice would you give them if they're considering a career in asset management? Maybe, Andrew, I'll pass the question to you first. From the starting point, really does depend on what year you're in. I think that above all else, trying to get an internship somewhere, maybe in your second year to help you, like Claire and I both did internships after our third year, that'll give you a real, real world experience that really helps you be better prepared for a job like this. We reference investment clubs. Those can be valuable within a, within a student context as well. And then beyond that, I think really just above and beyond is differentiating yourself by showing that true passion and really an understanding for, like I said at the start, we're not about pretense or hierarchy or bureaucracy. We're about picking stocks and making investment decisions. And so if you're able to demonstrate that in an interview, being confident to have maybe a couple of stocks that you feel comfortable talking about and saying, I would like to buy this in the market today, or, you know, I, I think this is a I mean, unattractive, a short stock. We do have, we do have hedge fund products. We do have shorting products um, within our asset management portfolio. So, you know, being able to communicate those ideas and maybe even having, if you, if you have money to uh, put in your own personal account, or if you have a phantom portfolio of made up money, but anything to really demonstrate that you have a real interest in it, even if it's on your own time, I think helps you know give you a leg up. Claire, maybe I'll put this question to you. We talked about Andrew looking at the newspapers and now podcasts and, and Claire, your experience catching up in your passion and interest in the financial markets. What advice would you give or how would you advise current finance students or those interested in the asset management space uh, in terms of staying on top of the markets and the news? Right. There are definitely a lot of potential sources that you can monitor in order to keep up with financial news. I think looking back to some of the resources that I used as a student and continue to rely on today, 
our Bloomberg or Reuters or as well, I think like the Global Mail business section does have a lot of relevant updates on Canadian business. So I think just wandering some of the articles there uh, can be helpful. And for more U.S. or global related news, often you can find discounted student subscriptions to sources like the Wall Street Journal, but I think are great foundational resources to help keep up with broader news in global economies and uh, for specific companies. In terms of furthering your learning, I think there are definitely a lot of other resources you can use um, just to help uh, develop your knowledge further, whether that's related to investment books or there's also a lot of investment related podcasts. I think Invest Like the Best is one that's fairly well known and has a lot of episodes within a library on investing related topics. So those are a few examples of sources that you can use uh, to help monitor what's going on in financial markets and also further develop your understanding of the industry. Thanks, Claire. And I'll also add to that, that Fidelity has a number of resources. If you're interested in what's going on in the markets, we have both obviously our Fidelity Next webcast today, but we also have another series called The Upside. If you're looking for, stay on top of the trends in the marketplace. That's a, a webcast that's available to all investors across Canada that you can sign up for. And we have a newsletter that's sent out on a monthly basis. The upside, you can visit fidelity.ca to register for those two programs. So we talked about your run-up. You're now at Fidelity. And let's talk about your current roles, because I think you guys obviously are doing exciting work. And maybe the first question I can pose to you, Claire, you now cover the Canadian material space, excluding gold. There's some questions coming in that kind of speak to this question. And what does your day-to-day -day look like? You talk about the broad, you have to cover many different companies. There's a lot of information. What does your day-to-day -day look like? And more than that, how do you review these companies? Is there a certain process or methodology? Maybe you can talk to us, how do you assess that? I think this is a role where your schedule day-to-day -day can vary quite a bit. So I might start by explaining and giving some examples of the main tasks that you would be doing as an analyst on the team, uh, and then work backwards to how that might fit into uh, my schedule on a few different days. One component of research that you're doing, especially on a sector like materials, um, that does tend to be more macro-oriented, is doing some macroeconomic research and how it relates to certain commodities. So, for example, when looking at a commodity like copper uh, that would fall within my coverage group, that can involve a bit of research just to understand different drivers of what might impact the demand for copper over the medium to longer term. And that can include a range of different factors like economic growth in China or increasing demand for copper from electric vehicles or the electrification of the grid amongst um, other drivers. And also understanding the supply of copper just based on what's going on in the industry outlook. There's a lot of company specific work as well. Once your initial recommendations are out, of course, you might get news updates or corporate earnings releases, and you would be responsible for updating your financial forecasts and communicating that to the team in a written research note. And on an ongoing basis, you're also responsible for doing a lot of uh, calls or in-person meetings in a more normalized work environment both internally with different portfolio managers on the team to make sure that your ideas are being communicated, as well as with external parties like management teams or sell-side equity research analysts or other industry experts in order to 
test your investment thesis and get more conviction on certain ideas. So how those factors play into your day-to-day schedule can vary quite a bit. Um, So, for example, during what we would call earnings season, when a lot of companies are reporting their quarterly results, you're spending a lot of time reading through the company's quarterly reports, being on their quarterly conference call, and updating your financial model and thesis uh, for the portfolio managers on the team. There's other periods where you might be going to an in-person or virtual conference uh, where you'd have a lot of back-to-back meetings with the companies in your coverage group. And you would then communicate the key takeaways if there's any changes to your outlook after the conference. Uh, so there are a lot of different tasks that you're doing, which causes each day to be pretty varied in the role. Well, I think for a lot of students today, I'm sure the three of us, it's nice to have that variety in your day. Lots of different meetings and meeting with different people and all the information that's being shared. So much to analyze and, and to inform your decision making. Andrew, similar question to you. You now cover the consumer staples space. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your kind of process and some themes in your category that you're looking at today. I think in terms of themes, you know, there's a couple that are really big and impacting the entirety of the market. It's inflation. And number two that I know that everyone, um, you know, unfortunately has had to deal with is COVID. Right. And so I think, you know, as a large component of consumer staples are the grocers, Loblaws, Sobeys, Metro, really companies that particularly in the, in the, um, initial wave in, in the spring of 2020 were front and center because everything else was shut down. And then since then, you've sort of seen that elevated level of st- sales be maintained because people aren't going to the office. They're not grabbing lunch at the Eaton Center. They're, they're eating lunch at home and they're using groceries to do it. And so I think that you know going forward, one of the big themes is how sustainable is that? Is this elevated level of sales part of a new normal hybrid work? We're doing this as a webcast opposed to being face to face in an office. Or how much of that is sort of transitory and will normalize over time. And coincident with that, of course, has been the rise in inflation. And I think we can all feel that when we go to the grocery store, prices are going up. And so how material will that be? Will grocers be able to pass on that pricing, maintain their margins? Will margins compress? Are they going to be differently impacted based on their business mix? Those are all the types of questions that I have to ask myself and use the research tools that Claire's talked about to get an answer to, to help portfolio managers decide, is this a good stock today? Or is this something that we should look elsewhere for? Oh, very interesting, of course, in your sector and coverage, the impact of inflation is very much pronounced. So very interesting and definitely a lot of content and macro insights in that space. Maybe I'll ask each of you, what's that one piece of advice that you would give our candidates who are applying to make their application stand out? For example, technical skills, what should we be focusing on? How do you demonstrate passion? Do you need to have MBA and certifications? Maybe I can ask you just to kind of give your own advice and maybe touch on one or two of those themes. Claire, I'll pass it to you first. I might start my answer by emphasizing some of the points that Andrew made opportunity earlier about the opportunities to get hands-on experience uh, while you're still a student. So I think whether that's by participating in your school's investment-related clubs or courses, participating in stock pitch competitions, reading investment-related books, or doing some personal investing uh, yourself, even if that's just with the mock account as a student. I think those are all really great ways to get some hands-on experience uh, related to what we do day-to-day full-time when you're still a student. So I think I will emphasize some of those opportunities. I will maybe mention more broadly, though, of course, we are looking for more than just financial skills when we see applications coming in. So When we look at your extracurriculars or other aspects of your resume, 
I think anything which just shows a really strong work ethic, being results oriented, taking an initiative, and being able to work well with different teams. Those are all very relevant skills uh, that I think can be demonstrated in a variety of ways, just based on whatever your interests are. That's great advice, Claire. Thank you. And Andrew, anything to add in terms of advice for our students today? Well, I think you referenced maybe there was a technicals or do I need certifications? Again, I would just drive home the same point I've been saying, which is that we're, we try not to be hierarchical about it or pretentious about anything. Claire and I both joined as undergraduates and from day one, we're given responsibility to look at companies. And like Claire said, flew to a conference, you know, day two and met with CEOs and CFOs. So it's really not about sort of qualifications. There might be some technical aspects to the interviews for sure, but this isn't a study breaking into Wall Street cover to cover and answer banking style interview questions. Like Claire said, it's a lot more holistic, but we really do want to understand people who are passionate about stock picking and passionate about working in a team environment. It's a 40 person team, roughly the investment team in Canada. It's 400 or so, I think, investment professionals globally. And we don't have a lot of turnover. So we're not looking to recruit a whole new wave of classes like bankers and chew them up and spit them out maybe a year or two where they're re-recruiting. We want people who are really in it for the long term and really see themselves as having a career in asset management. And so I think any way you can kind of emphasize this is something you're really excited about for the long term. And again, focusing in on being able to pitch stocks, but also to pitch yourself and talk about your experiences and what led you to come here versus focusing on you know, can I walk backwards through a cash flow statement might not come as high up on sort of the chain of what we look for in candidates. That's great advice, Andrew. Time flies on Fidelity Next in our shows here, but I think we have to end it there. Claire and Andrew, thank you so much. I mentioned in the beginning, a tall task to cover all the content, but I think mission accomplished and uh, credit to you both for, for helping me answer the questions from our students today. Thanks for joining us. I want to say to our audience, thank you for joining us. If you're interested in applying for roles at both Fidelity and the asset management team, there are postings available on fidelity.ca slash careers. So please take a look there. And if you're thinking about applying, please do. It's an amazing culture and people like Claire and Andrew at Fidelity. And I hope you'll consider joining us. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Next podcast, brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada. You can visit fidelity.ca for details on future live webcasts, follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a review or a five-star rating. Thanks. See you next time.